You're listening to Audio Divina, reflecting on the gospel with Father Francis J. Maloney, STB. In this episode for Passion Sunday, we look at the gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 14, to chapter 27, verse 66. Matthew's Passion narrative tells the story of Jesus' last night with his disciples, his arrest, trials, and eventual execution. Through this account of Jesus' unjust and violent death, Matthew has insinuated a message central to his understanding of what God has done for us in and through Jesus. He has opened the way to God for all nations as all the signs of the end of the world accompany his death. Heaven and earth pass away, but after he has been raised, the gospel will be preached to all nations. We begin now with a dramatization of the text. Then one of the twelve, the man called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and he said, What are you prepared to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty silver pieces, and from then onwards he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus to say, Where Where do you you want want us to to make make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go to a certain man in the city and say to him, The master says, My time is near. It is at your house that I am keeping Passover with my disciples. The disciples did what Jesus told them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, he was at table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, In truth I tell you, one of you is about to betray me. They were greatly distressed and started asking him in turn, Not me, Lord, surely. Not me, Lord, surely. Not me, Lord, surely. He answered, Someone who has dipped his hand into the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man is going to his fate, as the scriptures say he will. But alas, for that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, who was to betray him, asked in his turn, Not me, Rabbi, surely? Jesus answered, It is you who say it. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had said the blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. Take it and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he handed it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of the covenant, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. From now on, I tell you, I shall never again drink wine until the day I drink the new wine with you in the kingdom of my Father. After the Psalms had been sung, they left for the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away from me tonight, for the scripture says, I shall strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after my resurrection, I shall go ahead of you to Galilee. At this, Peter said to him, Even if all fall away from you, I will never fall away. Jesus answered him, In truth I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows, you will have disowned me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus came with them to a plot of land called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Stay here while I go over there to pray. 
he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him, and he began to feel sadness and anguish. Then he said to them, My soul is sorrowful to the point of death. Wait here and stay awake with me. And going on a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. Nevertheless, let it be as you, not I, would have it. He came back to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So you had not the strength to stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray not to be put to the test. The spirit is willing enough, but human nature is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot pass by, must I drink it? Your will be done. And he came back again and found them sleeping. Their eyes were so heavy. Leaving them there, he went away again and prayed for the third time, repeating the same words. Then he came back to the disciples and said to them, You can sleep on now and have your rest. Look, the hour has come when the Son of Man is to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go. Look, my betrayer is not far away. And suddenly, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared, and with him a large number of men armed with swords and clubs, sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the traitor had arranged a sign with them, saying, The one I kiss, he is the man. Arrest him. So he went up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And kissed him. Jesus said to him, My friend. Do what you are here for. Then they came forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. And suddenly one of the followers of Jesus grasped his sword and drew it. He struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus then said, Put your sword back, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, who would promptly send more than twelve legions of angels to my defence? But then... How would the scriptures be fulfilled that say this is the way it must be? It was at this time that Jesus said to the crowds, Am I a bandit that you had to set out to capture me with swords and clubs? I sat teaching in the temple day after day and you never laid a hand on me. Now all this happened to fulfill the prophecies in scripture. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. The men who had arrested Jesus led him off to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Peter followed him at a distance, right to the high priest's palace, and he went in and sat down with the attendants to see what the end would be. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus, however false, on which they might have him executed, but they could not find any though several lying witnesses came forward. Eventually two came forward and made a statement. This man said, I have power to destroy the temple of God and three days build it up. The high priest then rose and said to him, Have you no answer to that? What is this evidence these men are bringing against you? But Jesus was silent and the high priest said to him, I put you on oath by the living God to tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered him, It is you who say it, but I tell you that from this time onward you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. 
Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has blasphemed. What need of witnesses have we now? There, you have just heard the blasphemy. They answered, He deserves to die. Then they spat in his face and hit him with their fists. Others said as they struck him, Prophesy to us, Christ. Who hit you then? Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him saying, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it in front of them all. I do not know what you are talking about. When he went out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This man was with Jesus, the Nazarene. And again, with an oath, he denied it. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, You are certainly one of them too. Why, your accent gives you away. Then he started cursing and swearing. I do not know the man. At once the cock crowed and Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you have disowned me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people met in the council to bring about the death of Jesus. They had him bound and led away to hand him over to Pilate, the governor. When he found that Jesus had been condemned, then Judas, his betrayer, was filled with remorse and took the 30 silver pieces back to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. They replied, What is that to us? That is your concern. And flinging down the silver pieces in the sanctuary, he made off and went and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the silver pieces and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury. It is blood money. So they discussed the matter, and with it brought the potter's field as the graveyard for foreigners. And this is why the field is still called the field of blood. The word spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was then fulfilled. And they took the 30 silver pieces, the sum at which the precious one was priced by the children of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field just as the Lord directed me. Jesus then was brought before the governor, and the governor put him to this question. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, It is you who says it. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he refused to answer at all. Pilate then said to him, Do you not hear how many charges they have made against you? But to the governor's amazement, he offered not a word in answer to any of the charges. At festival time, it was the governor's practice to release a prisoner for the people, anyone they chose. Now there was then a notorious prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate said to them, Which do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For Pilate knew it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. Now, as he was seated in the chair of judgment, his wife sent him a message. Have nothing to do with that upright man. I have been extremely upset today by a dream that I had about him. The chief priests and the elders, however, had persuaded the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas and the execution of Jesus. So when the governor spoke and asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas! Pilate said to them, But in that case, what am I to do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, 
Let him be crucified. He asked. But what harm has he done? But they shouted all the louder. Let him be crucified. Then Pilate saw that he was making no impression, that in fact a riot was imminent. So he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your concern. And the people, every one of them, shouted back, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. After having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus with them into the praetorium and collected the whole cohort round him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet cloak round him. And having twisted some thorns into a crown, they put this on his head and placed a reed in his right hand. To make fun of him, they knelt to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head with it. And when they had finished making fun of him, they took off the cloak and dressed him in his own clothes and led him away to crucifixion. On their way out, they came across a man from Cyrene called Simon and enlisted him to carry his cross. When they had reached a place called Golgotha, that is the place of the skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, which he tasted but refused to drink. When they had finished crucifying him, they shared out his clothing by casting lots and then sat down and stayed there keeping guard over him. Above his head was placed the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. The passers-by jeered at him. They shook their heads and said, So you, so you would destroy the, the temple and in, and in three, three days, days rebuild it? it? Then save yourself if you are the God's son and come down from the cross. The chief priests with their scribes and elders mocked him in the same way with the words, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now and we will believe in him. He has put his trust in God and now let God rescue him if he wants him. For he did say, I am God's son. Even the bandits who were crucified with him taunted him in the same way. From the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabashthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those who stood there had heard this, they said, The man is calling on Elijah. And one of them quickly ran to get a sponge, which he filled with vinegar, and putting it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But the rest of them said, Wait, and see if Elijah will come to save him. But Jesus, again crying out in a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And suddenly the veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were split, the tombs opened, and the bodies of many holy people rose from the dead, and these, after his resurrection, came out of the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to a number of people. The centurion, together with others guarding Jesus, had seen the earthquake and all that was taking place, and they were terrified and said, In truth, this man was Son of God.
And many women were there watching from a distance, the same women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him. Among them were Mary of Magdala, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. When it was evening, there came a rich man of Arimathea called Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be handed over. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean shroud and put it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a large stone across the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now Mary of Magdala and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the sepulchre. Next day, that is, when preparation day was over, the chief priests and Pharisees went in a body to Pilate and said to him, Your Excellency, we recall that this imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I shall rise again. Therefore, give the order to have the sepulchre kept secure until the third day. For fear his disciples should come and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. This last piece of fraud would be worse than what went before. Pilate said to them, You may have your guard. Go and make all as secure as you know how. So they went and made the sepulchre secure, putting seals on the stone and mounting a guard. We will now hear a reflection on the text by Father Maloney. Each of the four Gospels tells the account of the death of Jesus, the passion and death of Jesus, in their own way. Matthew, although in the main he is very close to the Markin story, adds a number of features which must catch our attention. Rather than comment on this long Sunday reading, I will merely highlight some of its features which may help us to listen to it more fruitfully. The first words of Matthew's passion account betray one of his special concerns. While Mark begins with the plot to slay Jesus, Matthew tells his readers that all the teaching of Jesus is finished. Jesus had now finished all he wanted to say. He then prophesies his own passion. It will be Passover, as you know, in two days' time, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. All that is about to happen is not mere chance. Jesus himself tells his disciples, and all of us who down through the century have either read or heard Matthew's Gospel read, that his death is a part of God's story. God is the one who will hand Jesus over. The Son of Man will be handed over. The passion is not something that falls like a great fate upon Jesus. It is a part of God's design. It is a part of God's bringing to perfection what was required of a human being so that God's kingdom may be definitively instituted among us. There are two major sections to the Gospel of Matthew's report of the Passion of Jesus. The first half deals with Jesus and his disciples. 
It is a very beautifully constructed narrative, and I wish to point out the various sections in this first narrative so that you might catch this shift from one point to another as you hear it read or as you read it yourself. It has 11 tiny scenes moving from failure to Jesus. It begins in verses 3 to 5 with the plot against Jesus, failure. In the next scene from verses 6 to 13, Jesus' body is anointed for death. There is a recognition of his royal messianic status. Thirdly, verses 14 to 16 report the betrayal of Judas, failure. Despite this betrayal, the next scene, verses 17 to 19, have Jesus preparing for the Passover, sending his disciples ahead, because this is what the master must do. The next scene, verses 20 to 25, is the dramatic prediction on the part of Jesus of the future betrayal of Judas, failure. We have surveyed five scenes. We now come to the sixth scene, which is the centerpiece of this passage dealing with Jesus and his disciples for the last time, the supper. From verses 26 to 29, Matthew reports Jesus sharing his meal with failing disciples, one of whom will betray him, another will deny him, and all the others will leave him abandoned. This leads into the next scene, verses 30 to 35, which closes out this centerpiece with the prediction of Peter's denial failure. But the following scene, verses 36 to 46, is the report of Jesus' presence and union with God, doing whatever God wishes in Gethsemane. That is immediately followed in verses 47 to 56, with Jesus' arrest and, as Jesus prophesied, all the disciples flee. Failure again. In verses 57 to 68, the Jewish trial of Jesus takes place. And during this trial, under the questioning of Jewish leadership, Jesus, for the first time in the Gospel, accepts that he is indeed the Son of the Most High and the Son of Man who will come as their judge. He accepts the Jewish realities which Israel has longed for for so long and which now they refuse. And these encounters with the disciples end in verses 69 to 75, where Peter denies Jesus again, as Jesus had foretold, failure. This move from failure to Jesus, failure to Jesus, etc., with the theme of Jesus and his failing disciples at the supper at the very centre, the sixth scene of 11 scenes of the narrative, is very powerful and even emotionally touching. Two small details can have more attention from us. Only Matthew, in the account of the meal, when Jesus shares the chalice and refers to it as blood, only Matthew says that this is the blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus breaks his body and pours out his blood. For the disciples mentioned before, Judas and after, Peter, the account of the meal itself. Thus the words added by Matthew remind the successors of these failing disciples that the meal is for the forgiveness of sins. The other important detail which is often missed as we read this long reading is the juxtaposition of the response of Peter to his own denial and the response of Judas. They are put side by side in Matthew's account. Peter goes so far as to say in chapter 26, verse 74, I do not know the man. He disowns Jesus. He has lost Jesus. And thus he has lost his place as a disciple. But immediately after saying that, he repents. And Matthew reports, he went outside and wept bitterly. That passage is immediately followed in chapter 27, verses 1 to 10, with the story of the end of Judas. The Sanhedrin cares little for the tragedy of Judas, and they think that they can resolve it with blood money and a callous misunderstanding of all that has happened. But Judas suicides. There are two possible responses to Christian failure. One is to recognize our failure and repent, modeled by Peter. And the other one is to fall into despair and ultimate suicide. The second half of the Passion narrative deals with Jesus' encounter with Roman authority at the trial and then in the details of the crucifixion. There are several features in this account as well. In the first place, as in front of the Jews, Jesus confessed that he was the Son of the Most High and the Son of Man who would come, thus responding positively to Jewish messianic expectations. At the Roman trial, he is interrogated about his kingship and he accepts that he is king. So he is not only the fulfillment of Jewish hopes, but he's the fulfillment of all of our hopes. The second important theme to notice is the continual insistence on Jesus' innocence. An innocent man is killed. Pilate insists on it regularly. And then there is the touching little scene only found in Matthew of Pilate's wife coming to Pilate and asking him to have nothing to do with this man. A very important issue emerges too in the presentation of Jesus to the Jewish people in his attempt to free Jesus, an innocent man. The Jewish people in the Gospel of Matthew cry out, his death be upon us and upon our children. This is a terrible saying and has been used over the centuries as the basis for anti-Semitic attacks. We must recognize that we are dealing with the Gospel of Matthew, a gospel that appeared late in the first century, 
50 and plus years after the death of Jesus, but a gospel that is marked by the clear breakdown that is taking place between the Christian community and the Jewish community, most likely in the city of Antioch. The Jews at the death of Jesus historically did not say, his blood be upon us and upon our children. This is something that Matthew has them say when he writes in the late 80s of the first century. This is his way of pointing out that the guilt for the death of Jesus lay with the Jewish people. This is a part of early Christian polemical relationships with Israel, which we must overcome and recognize that there is no way in which the blood of Jesus can be placed as a responsibility of the Jewish people. The final thing to notice is the use of signs that would normally mark the end of time. As Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were split, the tombs opened, and the bodies of many holy men rose from the dead. And these, after his resurrection, came out from the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to a number of people. In Jewish literature, these signs, the tearing open of the veil, the descent of the darkness, the earthquake, the rising of the dead, these are all signs of the end of all time. But for Matthew's gospel, they are anticipated. The end of all time is anticipated in the death of Jesus. This is what can be called the turning point of the ages. We will see that the resurrection of Jesus will be marked by similar world-shattering events. The death of Jesus on the cross initiates this turning point of the ages. For the moment, as we wait for our Easter day, we stay with the first act of a conflict between the innocence and the truthfulness of Jesus and the lies and the inability to accept courageously their responsibilities of the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities. In the end, the truth will be proclaimed and Jesus will send this church out to the ends of the earth at the end of this gospel. But for the moment, the story of Jesus' passion, as it is told in the Gospel of Matthew, relentlessly portrays the suffering of Jesus. This Gospel belongs to a liturgy called Passion Sunday. But despite its relentless pointing forward to the suffering that is a part of being a Christian, it also points forward to the loving and forgiving presence of Jesus in our midst, the instructions to repent as Peter did in the face of failure, and the fact that his death initiates a new era, an era that will be marked by the life of the Christian church. We now recommend 10 to 15 minutes of personal reflection on what you've just heard. Please pause the track now and resume when you're ready to return.
Welcome back. We conclude now with a second dramatization of the text. Then one of the twelve, the man called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and he said, What are you prepared to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty silver pieces, and from then onwards he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus to say, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go to a certain man in the city and say to him, The master says, My time is near. It is at your house that I am keeping Passover with my disciples. The disciples did what Jesus told them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, he was at table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, In truth I tell you, one of you is about to betray me. They were greatly distressed and started asking him in turn, Not me, Lord, surely. Not me, Lord, surely. Not me, Lord, surely. He answered, Someone who has dipped his hand into the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man is going to his fate as the scriptures say he will. But alas, for that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, who was to betray him, asked in his turn, Not me, Rabbi, surely? Jesus answered, It is you who say it. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had said the blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. Take it and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he handed it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of the covenant, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. From now on, I tell you, I shall never again drink wine until the day I drink the new wine with you in the kingdom of my Father. After the Psalms had been sung, they left for the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away from me tonight, for the scripture says, I shall strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after my resurrection, I shall go ahead of you to Galilee. At this, Peter said to him, Even if all fall away from you, I will never fall away. Jesus answered him, In truth I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows, you have disowned me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus came with them to a plot of land called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Stay here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him, and he began to feel sadness and anguish. Then he said to them, My soul is sorrowful to the point of death. Wait here and stay awake with me. And going on a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. Nevertheless, let it be as you, not I, would have it. He came back to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So you had not the strength to stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray not to be put to the test. The spirit is willing enough, but human nature is weak. Again a second time, he went away and prayed. My father, 
If this cup cannot pass by, must I drink it? Your will be done. And he came back again and found them sleeping. Their eyes were so heavy. Leaving them there, he went away again and prayed for the third time, repeating the same words. Then he came back to the disciples and said to them, You can sleep on now and have your rest. Look, the hour has come when the Son of Man is to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go. Look, my betrayer is not far away. And suddenly, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared, and with him a large number of men armed with swords and clubs, sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the traitor had arranged a sign with them, saying, The one I kiss, he is the man. Arrest him. So he went up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And kissed him. Jesus said to him, My friend, do what you are here for. Then they came forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. And suddenly one of the followers of Jesus grasped his sword and drew it. He struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus then said, Put your sword back, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, who would promptly send more than twelve legions of angels to my defence? But then, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say this is the way it must be? It was at this time that Jesus said to the crowds, Am I a bandit that you had to set out to capture me with swords and clubs? I sat teaching in the temple day after day, and you never laid a hand on me. Now all this happened to fulfill the prophecies in scripture. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. The men who had arrested Jesus led him off to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Peter followed him at a distance, right to the high priest's palace, and he went in and sat down with the attendants to see what the end would be. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus, however false, on which they might have him executed but they could not find any, though several lying witnesses came forward. Eventually two came forward and made a statement. This man said, I have power to destroy the temple of God and three days build it up. The high priest then rose and said to him, Have you no answer to that? What is this evidence these men are bringing against you? But Jesus was silent and the high priest said to him, I put you on oath by the living God to tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered him, It is you who say it, but I tell you that from this time onward you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has blasphemed. What need of witnesses have we now? There, you have just heard the blasphemy. They answered, He deserves to die. Then they spat in his face and hit him with their fists. Others said as they struck him. Prophesy to us, Christ. Who hit you then? Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him saying, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it in front of them all. I do not know what you are talking about. When he went out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This man was with Jesus, the Nazarene. And again, with an oath, he denied it. I do not know the man. 
A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, You are certainly one of them too. Why? Your accent gives you away. Then he started cursing and swearing. I do not know the man. At once, the cock crowed and Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you have disowned me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people met in the council to bring about the death of Jesus. They had him bound and led away to hand him over to Pilate, the governor. When he found that Jesus had been condemned, then Judas, his betrayer, was filled with remorse and took the 30 silver pieces back to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. They replied, What is that to us? That is your concern. And flinging down the silver pieces in the sanctuary, he made off and went and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the silver pieces and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury. It is blood money. So they discussed the matter, and with it brought the potter's field as the graveyard for foreigners. And this is why the field is still called the field of blood. The word spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was then fulfilled, and they took the 30 silver pieces, the sum at which the precious one was priced by the children of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, just as the Lord directed me. Jesus then was brought before the governor, and the governor put him to this question. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, It is you who says it. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he refused to answer at all. Pilate then said to him, Do you not hear how many charges they have made against you? But to the governor's amazement, he offered not a word in answer to any of the charges. At festival time, it was the governor's practice to release a prisoner for the people, anyone they chose. Now there was then a notorious prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate said to them, Which do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For Pilate knew it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. Now, as he was seated in the chair of judgment, his wife sent him a message. Have nothing to do with that upright man. I have been extremely upset today by a dream that I had about him. The chief priests and the elders, however, had persuaded the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas and the execution of Jesus. So when the governor spoke and asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas! Pilate said to them, But in that case, what am I to do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified! He asked, But what harm has he done? But they shouted all the louder. Let him be crucified! Then Pilate saw that he was making no impression, that in fact a riot was imminent. So he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your concern. And the people, every one of them, shouted back, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. After having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus with them into the praetorium and collected the whole cohort round him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet cloak round him 
And having twisted some thorns into a crown, they put this on his head and placed a reed in his right hand. To make fun of him, they knelt to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head with it. And when they had finished making fun of him, they took off the cloak and dressed him in his own clothes and led him away to crucifixion. On their way out, they came across a man from Cyrene called Simon and enlisted him to carry his cross. When they'd reached a place called Golgotha, that is the place of the skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, which he tasted but refused to drink. When they had finished crucifying him, they shared out his clothing by casting lots and then sat down and stayed there keeping guard over him. Above his head was placed the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. The passers-by jeered at him. They shook their heads and said, So you you would would destroy destroy the the temple temple, and in in three three days days rebuild it? it? Then Then save yourself if you are the God's son and come come down down from from the the cross. The chief priests with their scribes and elders mocked him in the same way, with the words, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now and we will believe in him. He has put his trust in God and now let God rescue him if he wants him. For he did say, I am God's son. Even the bandits who were crucified with him taunted him in the same way. From the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabashadani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those who stood there had heard this, they said, The man is calling on Elijah. And one of them quickly ran to get a sponge, which he filled with vinegar, and putting it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But the rest of them said, Wait, and see if Elijah will come to save him. But Jesus, again crying out in a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And suddenly the veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were split, the tombs opened, And the bodies of many holy people rose from the dead, and these, after his resurrection, came out of the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to a number of people. The centurion, together with others guarding Jesus, had seen the earthquake and all that was taking place, and they were terrified and said, In truth, this man was Son of God. And many women were there, watching from a distance, the same women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him. Among them were Mary of Magdala, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. When it was evening, there came a rich man of Arimathea called Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be handed over. So Joseph took the body wrapped it in a clean shroud and put it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a large stone across the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now Mary of Magdala and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the sepulchre. 
Next day, that is, when preparation day was over, the chief priests and Pharisees went in a body to Pilate and said to him, Your Excellency, we recall that this imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I shall rise again. Therefore, give the order to have the sepulchre kept secure until the third day, for fear his disciples should come and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. This last piece of fraud would be worse than what went before. Pilate said to them, You may have your guard. Go and make all as secure as you know how. So they went and made the sepulchre secure, putting seals on the stone and mounting a guard. Thanks for listening to Audio Divina. Special thanks to our friends from the Salesian Youth Movement in Australia Pacific for their assistance with the dramatisation of this text. Don't forget to tune in with us on Thursday for our Holy Thursday episode, Friday for our Good Friday episode, Saturday for our Holy Saturday episode, and of course Sunday for our Easter Sunday episode.